0: You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. Well, welcome Sienna and Cyprus and downtown and digital family as well. If you got your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we've been going through this chapter the last few weeks, and this is one of the best chapters in Romans. If you were to ask me, what are your favorite chapters in Romans, I would tell you chapter 8 and chapter 12. Those would be my two faves. And so we're here going through chapter 12, which is really, really great. And we're going to hit a lot of stuff today. We're going to begin in verse 9 in just a minute. A couple years ago, actually several years ago, Kelly and I were invited to go to London, England. I was invited to go speak to a conference there and that was amazing to be able to go. And so whenever you get invited to England to speak, you just say, yes, that's it, just going. I must not have done a very good job because I've never been invited back. So that was the one time that I got to go. But just like you would, when you're gonna be there anyway, You don't just fly in and fly out, you make sure you spend a few days to be able to see what's going on. So we did that and we were able to spend some days there. And one of the things we did is we went to the Tower of London and we went to see the crown jewels is what we were able to see. This was an amazing thing of all the jewels of the royal family. I just wanted my wife to know how bad her jewelry was. That's what I want to know. I want her to see those diamonds and then see her diamond. I want her to see this and that and go, you know, but you're a good guy. That's what I was hoping uh, to be able to work out. So we were able to go and see all these things, beautiful stuff since 1661. This is where they've housed the crown jewels. A world famous collection of 23,578 gemstones. 23,578 gemstones, and we're walking through seeing case after case, after jewels after jewels going, wow, incredible. It really became overwhelming at one point where we were kind of like, beautiful, 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 let's go to lunch, right? And so we got through this whole thing, and it was amazing. Well, that's what Paul's going to do for us in these verses of Scripture. He's going to walk us by so many jewels of the Christian walk. He's going to walk us by so many just diamonds and rubies. And we're going to be able to look and say, I got a little bit of that sapphire, but I don't have that whole sapphire. I got a little bit of that ruby, but I don't have all that ruby. I got a little bit of that gold, but I don't have all that gold. To be able to see these beautiful, beautiful things. If you are a type A person, today is your day, okay? Why? Because Paul's going to show us 30 things we should do, okay? Okay. You've got a to-do list of all to-do lists and you can check, 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 check as type A's. Now, here's the deal though. We're gonna go through this and we're gonna go, I'm not doing so good on that one. Ooh, I really need to hear more on that one. Ah, I'm not sure on that one. And there's going to be some of you, oh, I don't really need that. So here's what's going to happen is you're going to get one or two things out of this that you're going to be able to grab, hopefully more than that, and to apply in your life. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I want you to repeat after me. You ready? Here we go. We're going to repeat together loud and proud. I know it's going to be a lot, Pastor Greg, but I think God's got something for me. All right, that's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna take 30 things, we're gonna package them into five different groups, all right, and we're gonna look at these as we go through them. But the first thing before we get to one of our five groups, the first thing I wanna tell you is this, is this list as we go through this, it's all dependent upon Jesus doing this. It's not our hard work, it's not our willpower, it's not our type A check a box, It is Jesus Christ doing something in us. So your first point is this, before we even jump into the Scriptures, being transformed by Jesus changes the way we live. Being transformed by Jesus changes the way we live. Now, here's my hope, is not that you fall in love with church, but you fall in love with Jesus. Being in love with church is great. It has its place, but it can also make you a Pharisee. Being in love with Jesus can change your heart and your life. Then you appreciate and love the people of God called the church. But we don't want to just fall in love with the church. We don't want to fall in love with the things to do list. We want Jesus Christ to transform us. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, that we'd be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Then Romans chapter 12, verse three through eight, that you've got a spiritual gift we looked at last week that God wants to use you, spirit-given, service-driven to serve his body of Christ. And then now in verses nine through 21, how do we get together and love one another well? That's where we're going in five different chunks and we're gonna walk through the crown jewels, if you will. And we're gonna see these beautiful things that are there. The first one is this. This is the first chunk, and then we're going to hit two verses. Our affections, our affections. Christianity is not about how much we know, but how much we love. It's not about how much we know, it's about how much we love. We're not in love with learning about God, we're in love with God. So therefore, we learn about it. Let me put it like this. C.S. Lewis has this quote. I won't give you the whole quote because it's pretty wordy, but here's the gist of it of what it says. Many of us in Christianity, we fall in love with Jesus... Then we begin to talk about Jesus and we fall in love with the talking about it, not with the creator, okay? So here's what it would look like for me. Do I love preaching or do I love Jesus Christ? Do the people up here singing and leading us in worship, do they love singing? Do they love their instrument? Do they love music or do they love Jesus and therefore they sing and they lead us in worship? Do you see the difference? And we can become in love with the craft instead of in love with the Creator. So we want to first of all, with our affections, Christianity is not about how much we know, but how much we love. Look at verse 9 of chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let love, that's agape, that means God's love, Greek word, be without hypocrisy. Some of your versions say, let your love be with sincerity detest what is evil and cling to what is good. Love, that's phileo, where we get the word Philadelphia of man-to-man love or a, a woman-to-woman love, a brotherly love, one another deeply as, here he says it, as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. So here's what we have. This first thing, it says, I want you to let love be without hypocrisy. Now, this is really interesting. God's love is a, a, a agape, which means the love of God. It's perfect. It's unblemished. I want you to love it. That kind of love. And I want you to love it without hypocrisy. Now that Greek word for hypocrisy is a word that they would use in acting. Here's what it meant. One without a mask. In the Greek theater, what they would do is they would have people, they didn't have all the bells and whistles that we have. They didn't have green screens. They didn't have lights. They didn't have, you know, all the lights, camera, action. So what they would do when someone would change their character or change their emotions, they would put on a mask. You ever notice in theater, there's usually two masks, one smiling, one sad, and it's symbolic of theater. This is where this is coming from. So a person would put on a mask and that would be their face to be able to say, this is who I am. Hypocrisy is what they would call it. That actor was considered a hypocrite. Why? Because they had a mask over who they really were. See it? I love you. I don't like you. I'm really godly. I'm not really godly. I really love the Lord. I just want to make a business deal. Do You see, the mask, backwards and forwards, that's the problem. And what is the greatest detriment of Christianity? I submit to you this. It's the hypocrisy of the people of the church. It's the hypocrisy of believers. that we say, oh, I'm godly, but oh, I'm not. Do you see it? So he says, I want your love to be without hypocrisy. See, God's love is gonna love you strong enough and long enough to tell you you're wrong. He's gonna love you strong enough and long enough to tell you that you're wrong. Now, in the world, what we do is we've got a lot of different definitions of love. Love is I do whatever I wanna do. That is a limited love. And that's really the kind of love we want a lot of times. God's love is big enough to tell you what you're doing is not what is right. And we've got to be mature enough and unhypocritical enough to say, God, I love you enough to tell me when I'm doing things wrong. I want you to tell me when I'm doing things wrong. Do you love God that much? Because there's two types of people in the world. There's people that love sin more than God and people that love God more than sin. I wanna be the one that loves God more than sin. And if that's the case, then I've gotta be able to say, well, then speak to my heart and show me my wicked ways. Show me where I'm not right. Show me where my thoughts are not your thoughts, Lord. That's good parenting also, isn't it? You don't just with your kids say, hey, whatever you think. No, that's wrong. We're not going to do that. And we're going to do this because I love you so much. I'm going to speak these things into your life. So he's saying, I want you to love with your affections. That's a jewel. That's a diamond to be able to hear the honest truth from God. I don't want you to be a hypocrite. I want you to see this in a great way. Now, let me show you one other thing. This is really interesting. Verse 10, love Phileo love one another as deeply as brothers and sisters. That brothers and sisters is Phileo Storgus. Phileo Storgus. Brotherly love, then Storgus. Family love. Storgus. Let me ask you this Can you think of any bird we might have gotten from that phrase, Storgus, that would be about family love? One, two, three. Stork, right? Stork. So you see the Bible lived out just in our culture here. From Phileo Storgus, we get the stork delivering babies. If you think the stork delivers babies, I would encourage you to talk to your parents later on in the day and find out how this actually goes. Okay? So just FYI, free of charge, there you have it. So how are we going to practically love people? Let me just give you one thing. I could give you a hundred things. This passage of Scripture could be a year's worth of messages. Let me give you one thing. Linda Stone who was a consultant for Apple and Microsoft coined this phrase she said we've all become CPAs what's oh, a CPA we've all become people of continuous partial attention continuous partial attention I'm kind of into my phone and I'm kind of into the conversation. I'm kind of into the conversation. I'm kind of into TV. I'm kind of into what my wife's saying. I'm kind of into what I'm listening to on the radio. I'm kind of into what my husband's saying. I'm kind of into what needs to go on at home and then plan the things out. I'm kind of into this. I'm kind of into that. Here's love. Love is when you give someone your completely full attention. Students, can I get in your world? We are not your Uber drivers. So when you get in the car, you put your phone down and you talk to your parents, okay? Okay. And at the same time for us as spouses, we're not each other's Uber drivers. With our friends, we're not each other's Uber drivers. And God bless you if you're an Uber driver. We love you too, okay? But I'm paying you for me to be on my phone while you drive me, okay? That's what it's gonna be. But we've gotta not live in continuous partial attention. What would our marriages be like if we gave real attention to one another? What would our families be like if we gave real attention to one another? We went as a family to dinner just recently. Nobody brought their phones, to a restaurant, like we, we drove in a car and nobody had their phones it, and it, it worked. Full attention, not continuous partial attention. That's one way to give you a, an aspect of love. That's one way. It's rodeo time in Houston. We know that, right, which is great. I wore my boots that the deacons gave me uh, because of the rodeo and because of this point right here. Don't they look nice? Really, really wonderful. Now, we know a couple things with rodeo in Houston. We know, one, it's awesome, it's fun, and you can get fried Twinkies. You know, it's awesome. And we know, number two, do not go down 6'10", unless you have to, okay, for a month. Just don't do it. Well, all of these big country stars come, and it's an amazing thing, and we've all been. If you hadn't been, you should go. It's amazing. It's incredible. And he's not here this year, to my knowledge, but Garth Brooks has been there before, amazing singer, Garth Brooks, talking about true love, Garth Brooks left Turing for 14 years so he could raise his daughters. 14 years so he could raise his daughters. The article was entitled, Why I Choose Family Over Fame, 14 Years Off He Took. He said this, I walked in and I looked at my daughters. I just stared at them. I knew their sweet faces. I knew their dispositions, but I didn't know who they really were. So the singer's solution was to mix discipline with fun. As he flourished, his days were filled with packing school lunches, complete with handwritten notes, chores on the ranch. They built a bridge together after school uh, activities with soccer games and school plays. So here he is, and he's showing what our first point is there of our affections to know one another. The second thing that we get, second point, is our attitudes, our attitudes we want to serve god with enthusiasm and endurance so we're walking through these crown jewels what are we going to do we want to serve god with our attitude and our endurance our enthusiasm and our endurance with our attitude look at verse 11 don't lack diligence and zeal be fervent in the spirit serve the lord it means man go for it rejoice in hope be patient patient in affliction be persistent in prayer share with the saints in their needs, pursue hospitality. And hospitality, people were traveling, they didn't have homes, there weren't hotels everywhere. Pursue hospitality. So our attitudes are to serve God with enthusiasm and endurance. Philippians 2.5 says this, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, a servant attitude. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. So we wanna have a servant heart and that we endure through patience and prayer. Life is tough. Do you know how much patience and prayer it takes to make it through life? whole lot. It's painful. There's lots of hard knocks in life. I told you before I like to write notes, and so I've got a stationery that looks like this. It says, Pastor Greg Mott here on the front, and you open it up, and it says, you were in my thoughts and my prayers today. And then at the bottom, it says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, Romans 12, 12. I put that verse of scripture on the bottom when I write somebody and just say, hey, I'm praying for you today. Sometimes it's, man, praying for you. Glad everything's going great. Sometimes it's, I am so sorry that you received that diagnosis. I'm so sorry for your grief. I want you to know you're loved and you're cared for. And that's the verse that's at the bottom because we have to be patient in the affliction, patient in what God is doing in our lives in prayer. So our attitude's gotta be, Lord, I wanna serve you with enthusiasm and endurance because it's a long road that we're gonna walk in this way. And we're gonna journey with you on that. Prayer. We've seen from Kentucky this prayer sweeping across the nation. I'll even allude to that at the end of the message as well. Do you know that this past week, over 60 churches in our city joined together, not together, but uh, I should say they all had a prayer meeting type thing, 60 different churches all over the city. So we were praying at the Siena Men's Conference with uh, our campus in Siena, praying in downtown this week with our downtown campus. Cypress has been praying. We had last Sunday night about 700 people at the Loop campus, at the Lawn at the Loop, and we just called out on God. It was a powerful time. We ended the time, and people didn't leave. And they stayed another 30 minutes of just worshiping on their knees, on their face, calling out in prayer and endurance, asking the Lord to do something so great. God moving. That's what He does. He moves. You know what revival is? Revival is when the believers begin to pray. That's reviving our hearts. Now, of course, we want the lost to be saved, but letting God do his work in an amazing way. So he says, I want you to be faithful in prayer, joyful in hope, you're going to heaven. Persevering in trial, but faithful and persistent in prayer as well. April 29th, we told you about, it's coming up a thing called One Day and we're gonna serve with over 250 churches that we're gonna serve, do a day of service, invite people that don't know Christ to serve right along with us. Then Toyota Center that night, is gonna be a huge, big rally. It's gonna be coming together on Saturday night of that weekend and Sunday night as well. It's gonna be awesome. It's a time for us to serve. You can hit the QR code. It's on the back of your listening guide. But just to let God do his work because we wanna be persistent in our prayer and asking God to do something great in our city, that the Lord would do that in an amazing way. Point three is this, our actions. We've had our affections, we've had after that, our attitude, and now we've got our actions. What we do reveals our hearts. What we do reveals our hearts. Let's look at chapter 12, verse 14. Here's what it says. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. You're not too good for anybody. Do not be wise in your own estimation or in your own eyes. A person who's wise in his own eyes is rarely wise in everybody else's eyes. So here he says, I want your actions... To be really clear, because what we do reveals our hearts. James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. Actions are a part of it. And the actions that he gives is he says, I want you to bless people and not curse them. I want you to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now, let me just give you one little point on this. One little diamond on our tour of the crown jewels. I think it's easier to weep with those who weep than it is to rejoice with those who rejoice. Here's why. When you weep with those who weep, jealousy and entitlement and I should have this, should not it's not in there. When we rejoice with those who rejoice, a lot of times we can be faking it. Sometimes we just need to be able to say, Lord, I need you to dig deep because I'm jealous in this moment. So when someone goes, man, you're not going to believe it. I just inherited a million dollars. We go, I am so happy for you. <laughs> Why do I not have a rich uncle like your rich uncle, Right. But when somebody weeps, when we weep with them, we're like, we feel it. It hurts. Let me just tell you, I put pressure on myself a lot of of times to say the right thing in the moment. Here's what I've learned in a lot of years of ministry. The ministry of presence is powerful. Sure, you can share a Bible verse. You can share a word. You can give a word of encouragement. Say, we're here for you if you need anything. Of course, all those things. But nobody needs a sermon in that moment. They need somebody to cry with them. They need somebody to be with them. They need somebody to take them to the hospital. They need somebody to just be quiet with them, to listen to them, to not try to solve everything, to weep with those who weep. In church, we do and we should, and we need to continue doing a good job with that and really weeping with those who weep because that's key and that's so important. I love this illustration. There's a little girl and her little playmate had died. The little girl told her mom, about five-year-old girl, she said, I'm gonna go down the street, and I'm going to encourage the mom. mom said, okay, and the little girl went down the street and then came back about an hour later, and the mom said, well, what did you say? What did you do? And she said, I didn't say anything. I just sat in her lap and cried with her. And that's exactly what that mom needed in that moment. So we weep with those who weep, and we rejoice with those who rejoice. And that one, I think, is a little harder because you can get jealous in that one but you weep with those who weep and it shows the actions and the truth and the love of Jesus Christ. And that brings pride down. Number four out of five. And aren't you amazed I'm on number four this fast? Aren't you glad? I know when you heard me say I had five points, you're like, oh, I didn't pack a lunch today. Brother, we got to get out of here fast. No, no, no. I'm on number four and I still got time left. So here we go. Number four. Number four. Your reactions, how we react exposes our emotional maturity. How we react exposes our emotional maturity. One commentator put it like this, it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Hear that again, let's step on some toes now. I got my pointy boots, it's time to step on toes. You can't be spiritually mature and act emotionally immature. We gotta grow up. We're adults now. We're not babies now. Students, you're growing into adults now, not babies now. Okay? So what does it mean? Let's find out in verse 17 and 18. Don't repay evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. Get wise counsel and ask them, what do you think I need to do in this situation? If possible, as far as it is depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, you, live at peace with everyone. Now, you can do a whole lot of work of trying to keep the peace, and it might be you've done all you can, and it's now their problem, okay? But what he's saying is, I don't want your reaction to be retaliation. Now, think about it if you were to go to the doctor's office, they brought out that little rubber hammer, and they were to hit you at the knee, and your knee was to kick, that's a reaction, right? They hit it there, and they react back. What's your knee jerk reaction when something goes wrong in your home? Is it anger? Is it sulking? Is it the cold shoulder? Is it always you're worried about money? Is it always you're worried about time? Is it always you're worried about you? What, what's, what's the reaction, the knee-jerk reaction that shows maybe a place of emotional immaturity? Because God's saying here, I want you to do something really tough. I want you, and we're gonna get into it another notch on point five. I want you to see that I'm going to take care of this so you do everything you can do to be at peace with all men. And you don't react and you don't just respond. You let God do something in you first to be able to do that. Does that mean everything will be fixed? Absolutely not. Does that mean you'll never be in a lawsuit? You may be in a lawsuit. Does that mean that every time you try to make peace with somebody, they're going to receive it back? Does that mean that you don't hold to a standard in your office and say, hey, sorry, it's not going to work out for you to be employed here? Absolutely not. All of those things, but we're talking about a godly response that's not selfish in nature not retaliating because of me. I'm waiting and I'm listening. Let me give you a little science to go along with this. They say that it takes six seconds for our body to absorb an emotion. So something happens and we're like, did this just happen? What happened with this? I can't do one, two, three, four, five. And then at about six, we go, and we respond. But they said, and I'll read you a quote in just a second, that if we will let that wave of emotion come over us, about 90 seconds later, the emotion has come through, okay? So in six seconds, bam, we react. Have You ever heard anybody say, just take 10 deep breaths, right? Maybe we should take 90, okay? Because it says 90 seconds. Here's, here's a quote from a lady from Harvard, so she's got to be smart, right? Here we go. Dr. Jill Taylor says 90 seconds is all it takes to identify an emotion and allow it to dissipate while you simply notice it. When you're stressed, pausing 90 seconds and labeling what you feel like, I'm hurt, I'm angry, I'm upset, I feel disrespected, tamps down the activity in the amygdala, which is a part of your brain. MRI studies show that the brain uh, responds to this emotional lab- labeling by calming the region down, involved in angry outburst when it helps you to regain your control. So he says, take this. She says, take this and respond and take a minute. Say, can we just talk about this in 90 seconds and kind of walk away from the fight? Now, just this is fleshly, but it's kind of funny. Think of the zinger you're going to come up with in 90 seconds that you wouldn't have before. Like, All right, I'm ready to go. Now, just joking, just joking but 90 seconds. But what is it? The younger you are, the quicker you outburst, right? We expect that outburst with a baby. We don't expect that with an adult. And some of y'all are at work and you're like, he's a baby. And you're right. Some people are emotionally stunted, some of it by tragedy in their life, but it's still an emotional stunting. So, We've got to grow spiritually mature. And as we grow spiritually mature, we can grow emotionally mature and we can walk in a way that says, okay, I'm gonna take a little time and I'm gonna let this simmer down. And here's what I say. Here's my, my phrase, you can use it. I'd say this as a leader. As a leader, I no longer have the luxury of responding emotionally. Hear that? As a leader, I no longer have the luxury of responding emotionally. People come up and say something to me, I'm like, my first thought is, wow, you are a mess. You know, just kidding. I got to think it through. I got to think of how I can help them, how I cannot respond in some way. But to be able to let that be a thing, I really am just kidding about that. I want to help people. <laughs> I hope you, uh, I just, should, I should have thought about that 90 seconds before I said it. <laughs> but hey, when you're a leader, you're going to hear some crazy stuff. Doesn't matter what place you're in. And you're going to have to think about it, process it, respond in a way that moves the ball forward, not backwards, okay? give you an illustration. Right now, it's beautiful weather. We all got our sunroofs open. Our cars are covered in pollen, so they're all yellow, but our sunroofs are open. We're excited about it. I was coming, uh, this wasn't recently, but I was coming uh, back from this kind of pretty weather time like this from downtown. I was headed down Memorial to head back. Uh, to the Loop campus. And so there I was, I stopped in Memorial Park at one of the stoplights. What a great stoplight to be at in Memorial Park, right? You're seeing all these people running and having all this fun. And first of all, you don't rejoice when you rejoice. You're like, what job do you have that at three o'clock in the afternoon you're out here doing this stuff? But I'm glad for you. So I'm sitting at the light and the guy next to me, we're at the light. And this guy's going to bring his bike across the crosswalk. And it's kind of at the time we're supposed to, it's our turn to go, but he's sneaking back across, trying to make it across. So he's going along and I see this guy next to me. He's got his windows down. He's got a good looking suit on. His tie kind of loosened. He's got cool sunglasses. He's got a sunroof open, nice car. And this guy comes across and this guy goes berserk. All hey, right, what are you doing? Are you doing? Our turn. And I'm like, wow. That's a lot for a guy crossing the street. What happened at the office? And you need to tone that before you get home, right, to your wife and family. And the biker's even like, is this for me? Is this, is this? And so when he gets to my son, I'm like, hey, man, everything's good. We're good. Come to our church, not his. First Baptist, you yeah. Know. So he comes across and this guy, I'm like, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, what is the deal? Things, it's a beautiful day. The sunroof's open. This is a good, got a nice car. I won't tell you what kind of car it is. I'll just give you the initials, BMW. Okay. Won't tell you. I don't want to go that personal to tell you. I'll just give you the initials. Won't say the name. And I'm like, circumstantially, I know you can have all the stuff in the world and still be miserable. I, I, I know that but this isn't that bad. But the reaction showed something going on in the heart, didn't it? Something else is going on when you get like that. Something else is going on. When you scratch and you get mad, that mad, that quick, something else is going on. So you got to dig deep and find out what that is. Number five, here we go. And we're at the end. Here we are. Retaliations release the fleshly desire to retaliate and focus on the Goliath desire to overcome evil. That might be in your own heart. That's found in this last section here, 19 through 21. Let's get it. Friends, don't avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20, this is Proverbs 25, verse 21 through 22. If an enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for in doing so, you will heap fiery coals on his head. Do not be overcome or, excuse me, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. He's saying, I don't want you to retaliate. I want you to trust God with this. Now, does that mean you don't stand up for yourself? Some of us, we get way too pushed around. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we got to get wise counsel, get some folks around us, get some understanding of the scripture. And here's what retaliation is. Retaliation is you hurt me and I'm going to get you. See it? That's different than, wait a minute, we've been wronged in this business deal. We need to work this thing out through mediation. Wait a minute, we need to get to a counselor. Wait a minute, we need to talk this through. Wait a minute, you did hurt me. We need to process this. See the difference? Retaliation is, oh yeah, just you wait. I'm coming for you. And God says, you let me take care of that. Being an Avenger is only a superhero in the movies. Being an Avenger in real life is being a destroyer of relationships and really possibly of your witness. So sure, we handles things. Yes, yes, yes. But we also lay things before the Lord and say, God, we leave it to you you're God, you're going to take care of it, and I give it to you. And my friend, that is really, really hard. And that requires the Spirit of God in us to do. It's really, really hard. Do you remember my first point? Jesus has got to transform you for these things to happen. Not just, okay, I'll do it. Jesus has got to transform you. And then he says, and he does something even, even crazier. He says, if your enemy's thirsty, feed him. If he's uh, hungry, or if he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will keep fiery coals on his hell on his hell. Not that it's not that bad. Uh, on his head, it's just coming out of me. I gotta get this avenging. He says, if he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. And you let God do what He wants to do. Now this is sincerity to sincerity. This is you sincerely following Jesus, so that they make a sincere repentance to Jesus. It's not. Oh, yeah, I'm going to feed him. Oh, I'm going to give her a cup of water. I'm going to be so sweet. (laughs) This is going to be great. Oh. Oh, part of my evil plan, right? No, lay it down before the Lord. Give it to God. And you just walk in love. And let God be your superhero avenger. And he'll do what he wants to do in a great way to not show that retaliation. Now, let's finally land the plane. What's the million dollar question here? Here's a million dollar question How are we gonna do this? If we wanna live like this, we need to connect to Jesus. If we wanna live like this, we need to be connected to live connected to Jesus. That's our whole sermon series, right? Isn't it? Live connected. That we've got to connected, be connected to Jesus. John chapter 15, would call it abiding in Christ, that his heart and your heart beat simultaneously. And so we can't do it on our willpower. These are some major, major diamonds, some absolute huge rubies, some major, major pure gold. We need to let God do something in us and be connected to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I told you this was going to be a lot, guys. Lord, what that one or two things I got from this, I need to give it to you and lay it at your feet and allow you to do this in me. Is it your affections? Is it your attitude? Is it your actions? Is it your reactions? Is it your retaliations? Read Romans 12 later today, the whole chapter, and go through this a little slower and see these things, 30 things, type A's, checking the box, but it's hard to check those boxes, isn't it? We've got to connect with Jesus. Legalism will not get you there. Wisdom and walking with God will. Now, let me ask you uh, one last question and we're done. Have you heard about what's going on in Asbury, Kentucky and this revival that happened with college students, you know, and it it lasted like 14 days, you know, which was incredible. And you gotta always be careful with college students uh, because they'd be like, hey, group project tomorrow, revival tonight, you know, that's not what happened. It went, for all these days, 24 hours a day, going, 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 going. Then started sweeping across the country. Do you know what passage of Scripture was preached in that chapel that sparked revival? Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 21. What we just studied. Why would God choose that scripture? Because you will know, they will know that you are Christians by your love. Love and truth, love further than we want it to be. It'll tell us when we're doing wrong. God loves us enough to tell us when we're wrong. But then he takes us through all of these diamonds, all of these jewels, and we're able to see it. And that's what brought revival. Here's what, The young man who preached the sermon said this about text centering on Romans 12. He said, this is the star. This is God's word. This is Jesus and the Holy Spirit moving in our midst. This is what we're hoping for. I hope you guys forget me, but that anything that the Holy Spirit or God's word uh, said to you would find fertile ground in your hearts and produce fruit. Stop striving. Stop wearing this heavy burden of, I got to love because I'm a Christian. No, you got to love because you've tasted and seen the goodness of God. You have been loved. You have to continue to put yourself before Jesus so you can be loved by Him, so you can love others. And this is exactly what was preached, and revival broke out. As we walk through these crown jewels, I know they're bigger rings than we got. I know it's prettier gold than I got in my heart and you got in your heart. When we talk about our old man, our old self. But Jesus Christ can help us with our affections, our attitude. He can help us with our retaliations. He can help us with our actions, with our reactions. And then the jewels can begin to shine in your life. What did you need to hear today? You take that to the Lord just in a moment. And we're going to sing one song. Nobody needs to run to the parking lot. Just stay, just chill. And we'll be able to send it to the Lord and worship You can come down to the prayer rails and pray. Digital family, get on your knees, right in your own home. You can come talk to somebody about joining the church, whatever it is. But let's take all these jewels and lift them up, not to the queen, but to the king of kings and the Lord of lords, who is greater than any gemstone. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. You're so good. You're so mighty. Thank you, God, that you tell us when we're wrong. That's a gift. And that requires humility. Father, speak to our hearts. What did you say to us today? Where have we been lifting licking our chops of retaliation? Where are our affections running dry? Where are our attitudes? What are our reactions telling us about our life? The dryness of our soul. We love you, God, and we trust you. Take just a moment as we pray. We'll sing in just a moment. but You just speak to the Lord. I heard you on that, God. Help me on that, God. And then when we begin singing, you can stand, you can kneel, you can remain seated. But we're going to give not our continuous partial attention. We're going to give our full attention to God as we worship him. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.